And welcome in to this week's edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Ryan the Hacker Green with you alongside Denny Thompson as always. Denny, there is a ton going on with the orange and blue. First off, I know last week was busy for both of us. Glad to be back with you, my man. Yeah, it was. We haven't been together in a couple weeks, actually. That's right. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. I did, actually. Uh, You know, I, I had to... I had to just settle down and go out to the players and observe a lot of golf and sundresses. It was a tough gig, uh, but somebody had to do it. But certainly while being out at the players, definitely keeping a track uh, or an eye on the uh, SEC tournament, Florida did enough, man. Give Mike White credit. They went to Nashville. They beat Arkansas, something they had to do. They probably had to beat LSU. Now when you look back on it, and they did that on Friday afternoon with uh, Nimhart hitting a three with one second to go. We'll get to the actual tournament and the bracket in a moment, but what Florida did at the SEC tournament, very good work by Mike White and that basketball team. Yeah, it's an interesting and I wouldn't say fun team to watch, right? There's not a whole lot of fun. I, I don't get fun out of it, but it's an interesting team to watch because you never know what team's going to show up or when that scale's going to tip again. Like, they'll get hot, they'll win two, three, four, play well in those, and then they'll lose to Georgia at home. You know, or something like that. So it, I think it's you've seen a team mature a little bit. Who knows with a four-day break what we're going to get this this week, though. You know, when you talk about Gator basketball, and I was talking to a buddy about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think Florida fans got so spoiled a little over a decade ago. I mean, Joe Kim No, Al Horford, Torian Green, Corey Brewer, that's one of the best college basketball teams of all time. Not just in Gator basketball history but in college basketball history and you're never going to see another team like that uh maybe ever certainly not at the university of florida when all those guys all those pieces come together and do what they did going back to back so i think you got to erase that from the memory banks when you're focusing on gator basketball moving forward i agree it's not so much fun watching this team but what i like denny is their defense i like their tenacity i like their toughness and what i also like is these guys didn't quit they could have very easily quit after losing three games to end the regular season, but they didn't. They beat Arkansas, and they beat LSU to get in. They could have quit midway through the year when they were 4-6 and six in conference, but they didn't. They rattled off five wins in a row. Say what you will about Mike White and his coaching style and this team. The bottom line is when you see college kids that don't quit and that battle and hustle and ultimately make their way into the NCAA tournament, that was pretty refreshing to see. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think there was a level of getting spoiled, and I think you're right. We will not see that again because guys don't stay that long, right? I mean, it was just kind of cool how they how that whole crew came back after winning a national championship and all that. But, however, 19 and 15, like, I do expect better than that out of Florida basketball, especially in an SEC conference that's very top-heavy and the bottom half is bad, you know, really bad. It's not the ACC. And so you're not walking into, you know, these different arenas every single week. It's basically the ACC has become the SEC version of basketball, what SEC is in football from a fan perspective and all that. So at 19 and 15, I would expect and I would hope that Florida is a perennial 22-win team, I guess is what I'm getting to. That's fair. Florida, maybe they were a victim of their own success in this regard. Their non-conference was brutal. Yeah, it was. Just it was brutal. Tough. I mean, when you're playing Probably got them in a little bit. Yeah, when you're playing tournaments where you play Oklahoma and Butler and you start the year with Florida State and you play Michigan State and you, you have the Big 12 SEC Challenge against TCU, that's five, six non-conference games that are hard, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, hard. 
and Florida came on the losing end yeah, and I of think a bunch helped, of those contests. I think it helped him out. I, I kept referring, actually, to that whenever we would see the Lenardi picks that Florida was in, and all of us were leaving them for dead. And he's still saying, no, they're in, they're in, they're in. I, I think that's the reason. I think in whatever module that he's got or whatever algorithm that he's got, those games is, are, are ultimately what ended up helping them. You know, we'll get to the game in a moment, but time is running out on the Florida careers of Jalen Hudson, of Kavarius Hayes, and of Kayvon Allen. Jalen Hudson transferred to Florida from Virginia Tech. Many thought he would go into the NBA last year. He thought about it, got some paperwork back where it wasn't the best uh, – best option for him at the time he came back to Florida no doubt he has struggled his senior year there's no question about that but he's another guy didn't take his ball and go home didn't pout he kept battling he kept working and he's actually getting a little better as the season goes along still not the Jalen Hudson of last year but I think he has certainly been a part of the reason why Florida was able to make the NCAA tournament agree and I, and I do think that is the beauty of Mike White and why I think fans do need to be patient to the extent of, listen, we're committed to Mike White for the next three, four, five years, regardless of what happens, because the guy has shown, he's still young, Mike White is, he has shown an ability to motivate teams and to keep them in into it, you know, into the swing of things, where I think a lot of coaches don't have that ability, and that's it's a unique ability to have. And, and I think he's young enough, he can identify with the players, he's a high-energy players type of coach. Um, I put all of the credit on that on Mike White. And, and you know, the other two guys, Kayvon Allen, Kavarius Hayes, and you think all the great Gator players. Allen and Hayes will not be in the likes of Mike Miller, will not be in the likes of Brad Beal. They will not be on that, on that pedestal from a talent perspective, from an impact perspective. But you want to talk about games played in a Gator oh, uniform? Kayvon Allen and Kavarius Hayes have played significant minutes for years um, Kayvon Allen seems like the Hunter Renfro. It's unbelievable. It, it, it's like he's he's still there. Well, if you'll remember, <laughs> there was some legitimate conversation when Billy Donovan left. Yeah. Kayvon Allen was thinking about getting out of his commitment. Yeah. And Mike White was able to convince Kayvon Allen to still leave the state of Arkansas and come to Florida. So I hope Gator fans can appreciate both Hayes and Allen. Maybe not the most talented players Florida's ever had. But, man, those guys have done a lot in Gator uniforms over the years. Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens this, I guess, this weekend. I mean, if they come out of this weekend, that's I think everybody will be shocked. If, if they survive to the Sweet 16, it is an unbelievable success. I, I agree, agree. I, I mean, I would, I would tell you, I would say if they won the first round, then that's a success that none of us saw, what, six weeks ago? What about that first-round contest? They play Nevada, and it's interesting. There's a couple of brackets, a couple of regions – Florida's in the West. Nevada, a non-power conference, is the seven. Florida and the SEC is a ten. You got another situation where Wofford, a non-power conference, is a seven. Seton Hall, out of the Big East, is a ten. So I don't know how big of an upset it would be if the bigger conferences defeat the smaller conference teams. Yet the smaller conference teams are seated higher, and on the seed line, it would be an upset if a ten in Florida beat a seven. In Nevada, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you on Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network that I know a lot about Nevada basketball. I've looked over. You haven't broke down the film? Not broke down the film extensively. What I do know is this. 31-4 and four is 31-4. and four. Having said that. 29-4. Or 29-4. and 29-4. Yeah. You're, adva you're advancing them to the Sweet that's 16. That's right. Which hopefully they don't get to 31-4. <laughs> and four. I knew they had four losses. 29-4 and four is good. Very good. But you look at the teams they've beaten. I want to say they only have three or four wins 
over power conference teams, and most of them were from the Pac-12. I think they beat Utah. I think they beat Southern Cal. My point being, Denny, I'm never going to talk smack about a 29-4 and team, but this is a team that beat up on a lot of lesser competition. It's a good draw. I mean, it's a good draw for Florida to be a 10 against Nevada. Here's the thing is, this is where the logo means something. And this is where you find out a lot about your team if you're the Nevada coach. Like, what do you have? Does that logo intimidate you or does that logo motivate you? And I think in games like this, and same with Seton Hall and Wofford, it's so critical to get out to a jump. And I'm not talking about just basketball. You can talk about baseball. We've seen it time and time again with like JU Florida or something like that, right? It's so critical to get out and jump ahead of your opponent and make that logo heavy, meaning that now Nevada saying, gosh, we got to come back from 12 down and it's Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, you give Nevada a halftime four point lead, and now the logo means absolutely nothing unless you can swing the gates and be up by 10 with five minutes left. So I think that's the key that you have the first round, that you don't have the second round, obviously, with Michigan. That logo is just as big. But that's that's the advantage and why I think and a lot of people, I saw something the other day, I think, it, what is it, 65% of America right now is picking Florida? A lot of people are picking the Gators. Yeah. A lot of people it's are It's all about the, the logo at this point. And with Florida, I'm not breaking any news here. If they make their shots, they have a great chance to win. If they don't, they have no chance to win. Florida has no interior presence. What they do have are some deadly three-point shooters with Kayvon Allen, Nimhard, Johnson. Boy, Johnson's been just a force in the last couple of games. But Florida will live by the three, and they will die by the three. And if they come out and they don't shoot the ball well, they can lose to anybody. If they come out and they do shoot the ball well, they can beat almost anybody. So will the threes be going in for the Gators in a hypothetical world Let's say they get past Nevada, somewhat of an upset, play Michigan in round two. Michigan's the same team as Florida is. I have seen Michigan play this year. Michigan can shoot the ball like nobody's business when they're on. When they're off, they struggle. And I look at Michigan, Michigan State. The Spartans have beat them three times this year. And the reason Michigan State beat them is they were just tougher than Michigan in the post. So Michigan and Florida, it would almost be like looking in a mirror. I'm not saying Florida's getting to the Sweet 16. In fact, I do have Michigan beating them in the round of 32. But you mentioned the draw. Mm -hmm. Of all the draws Florida can get, playing a Nevada team that hasn't really played tough competition and playing a Michigan team that's not as physical as they have been in years past, it's a good draw for Florida opening weekend. It's a great draw. It's a great draw. I mean, they couldn't have asked for anything better. And I'll add one more point, and then we can can kind of move on here. But the other thing that comes into play here is – what that logo means from the aspect of resources florida's strength and conditioning program is i would assume miles better than nevada right i would assume they've got more at their disposal to make them better not the case with michigan at some at some point that comes in they're stronger they're bigger they're faster they were better in high school they're more highly recruited like at some point that has to come in these things are so weighted towards your record that's why nevada is a seven seed because they were twenty nine and four. If they were anybody else at twenty nine and four, they'd be a three seed. That's no question. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green, and this is Gator Bites on the ten ten XL dot com podcast network. A lot of basketball, obviously, on the mind. Spring football also going on at the University of Florida. And Denny, you were down in Gainesville taking in some uh, practices that were open to the media last week now you and i have talked about this on the podcast you have said this on your show the sports den here on 1010xl as well 
in the last couple of weeks that you did not know about Felipe Franks. Maybe you weren't necessarily sold on Felipe Franks. I get the feeling in talking to you since you went to practice last week, that opinion may have changed a little bit. Uh, It's changed 180 degrees. I am... I may start the Felipe Franks fan club at this wow. point. Wow. That, that's, uh, that's how blown away I was by him. And, and I had some people that hit me up on Twitter and was, and was asking me, is this more you're not so impressed with Emory Jones? No, I'm actually very impressed with that entire quarterback room that they have there. They've done an amazing job of putting this thing together. Trask, not so much. But the rest of them, very impressed with that. My thought going into it was – I didn't feel like I felt like Dan Mullen had to come back to Felipe and, and we talked about this. I didn't think like I didn't think that Felipe had taken this massive leap at the end of the season that everybody had envisioned. I thought Dan Mullen had to come back. After seeing them, I do think they met more in the middle. I think that Dan Mullen did understand, hey, here's what Felipe Franks can do. And we've all known Felipe's got a big arm. We we saw the Tennessee essentially Hail Mary. The Tyree Cleveland catch. Right, right. I mean, that ball traveled, I don't know, I don't remember, 65, 70 yards in the air. And now I'm starting to see Felipe tie his eyes and his feet together. And he's starting to do the things that big-time quarterbacks do. He's patient in the pocket. He's getting off of his first read, going to his second, getting off his second, going to his third. He understands the offense. But the biggest thing that I saw was the reaction and the way that that team follows Felipe Franks. That is Felipe Franks' team, period, end of story. Like the interaction behind the scenes, which is what I was I was privy to, is I, I'm not sure I'm not sure that we've seen that at Florida probably since Tim Tebow. And I'm not talking about on the field. Wow. I'm talking about off the field. He's got that team's respect. At the end of practice, I'm sitting over there with Coach Johnson, the quarterback coach, and, and at the end of practice, all the positions go to where their respective coaches, they get like a post practice stretch, just kind of talk things through. They could barely get through that meeting because there were so many offensive linemen over there trying to get to Felipe, just messing around with him, stuff like that. And so I, I just packaged all that together, and I got in my truck to leave and went, man, they've got a football player. And, and I'll put it this way. From a baseline skill set, the guy is NFL bound. How far can he jump between the ears is the question for Felipe. Well, and the one thing, too, that you got to keep in mind, I know you know this, but for Gator fans listening – He's been around that program a long time. I mean, he's a redshirt junior. He's been around three years already. I mean, he he knows the ins and outs of that program. Obviously, last year was year one under Dan Mullen. My thought all along was that Dan Mullen did not recruit Felipe Franks and that at some point Dan Mullen is going to want to get his guy. He went out and he got Jalen Jones. He went out and he got Emory Jones. But based on what you've said, based on other people I've talked to as well, I think Dan Mullen is kind of adopting, if you will, embracing Felipe Franks um and what if what a year for Felipe last year I mean from getting benched essentially in the Missouri game to Kyle Trask breaking his foot Mm -hmm. in practice and Felipe goes right back in as starter against South Carolina to hushing the home crowd after all the boos that resonated in the stadium there were a lot of ups and there were some downs for Felipe Franks and maybe that's why Denny you tell me your opinion that maybe his teammates did rally around him and are rallying around him because they saw what he had to endure one year ago Uh, no I think that's a great observation I I think especially at the quarterback position this is what I tell the guys that that we train is you mature in public and and I'm talking you know whether we're talking about the high school kids locally that I train that are pretty big time recruits to a college you, you mature 
in everybody's vision. Like they are watching you mature. And the hushing thing, I don't know that I don't know. I haven't asked him. I will. I haven't asked him. I don't know if he would do that again. But we saw a guy who got an edge about him and he let it speak through his play, which is a mature approach. Because he very easily could have just said, you know what, bump this. Coach was gonna he was gonna bench me and the fans don't like me and yada yada yada. I'm gonna sit over there. The other thing that he has going for him is I am a big Brian Johnson fan, um, the quarterback coach at, at um, Florida. And he played for Urban and, and Dan and Mullen at Utah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was offense coordinator at Houston. Like The guy's got – he's got a background. But the reason I like him so much is he's a very calm and collected and thought-out guy. He's not a rah-rah, hey, let's, let's go get him. He, 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 his, the way he communicates with those quarterbacks, man, I'm taking notes on that. He's – He's a future star in the college football coaching game. This is a play now society in college football. If Felipe Franks is the quarterback you think he's becoming, he's the starter this year, does Emory Jones, or maybe Jalen Jones for that matter, but probably more Emory, does Emory Jones start thinking, hmm, maybe I ought to find greener pastures elsewhere? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to talk to Emory about that. I was going to, but but I didn't get a chance to. Jalen, no. Jalen's... Jalen's in love with the University of Florida. Like the guy's as happy as can be, and he understands. And you're really high on him too. You saw him during the recruiting process. I, you know what I'm high on Jalen on, and and Coach Johnson and I were talking about this, and and Jalen and I have spoke about it at length the last week. Jalen's out there, and he's going purely on ability. He he doesn't know what he's doing or what he can do. When he ties everything together, then he's going to be a very good player. Emory is the opposite. Emory is Emory knows what he's doing. And, and Emory is fundamentally sound, mechanically sound. I don't know if Emory stays or goes. I think, it's just my thought, no inside information, I think he stays. I think he stays a year. I think he sees, okay, he, he'll stay and he'll see, um, does Felipe enter the draft or does he stay? And if Felipe stays, then I don't think he's going to stay for another year following this one. But I, I think he'll stick it out this year. Final moments here on Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network understanding that you're a quarterback guy and you're focusing primarily on the quarterbacks but when you were down in Gainesville did anybody else catch your eye from what you saw during spring drills love Van Jefferson love that guy talk I mean talk about a pro this is a pro the way he approaches practice everything um and his skill set love that guy uh Kadarius Tony, you know, he's explosive. We know that. But he's put on a little bit of weight. Okay. He looks good. That wide receiving core with Tony Jefferson throw Grimes and Cleveland in there has the potential to be really good. I was actually about to get to Grimes. Grimes is a big dude. Yeah. And a physical guy. Like he he's a guy that I can see having a long NFL career. And then the other one, and his name just dang gum. I can never remember it. The tight end. Oh, the junior college guy? Yes. Lucas Kroll. Hack. Bro. Yeah. This dude this dude has got insane skill. He did a couple of things last year. He threw a tight end pass to the quarterback on on kind of an end around, and that was kind of his highlight last year. I remember talking to Lucas when he committed. Now he was at Arkansas for baseball and he was a baseball player and ended up leaving there, ended up going to the junior college ranks, 
big kid. I mean, he's all a six six six. Oh, he's huge at tight end. Huge, hell of an athlete. And again, I'm I'm a big energy guy. I, I love to see the energy that guys bring. And and I'm gonna go back and I want to see the energy because I was at the second practice. Easy to bring energy to practice number two, especially when you had a day off. If he has that same energy in practice number eight. Like, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah, like he he is fairly new to the program. He has implanted himself as another leader on that program. He's got energy through the roof, and he's got um, talent to match it. And that combination right there is is a dangerous combination. You got to love. It's a good problem to have. I I mean I hope they find a place to get Jacob Copeland on the field. I just don't know if there is a place because you have all those really good quality wide receivers ahead of you right now on the depth chart. But there's a lot of good young receivers at Florida. But I just don't know if there's room for them to be on the field. I think there is because, I, again, no inside information on this. I think they're going to throw the crap out of the ball. I don't think they're going to ask Felipe to run like they did last year. I think Felipe has, has matured to the point and progressed to the point to where they are comfortable putting the ball in the air 65 70% of the time. So I, I think you will see a good and, – and their receiving core allows them to do that because they can rotate and shuffle in and out. I think that's what you're going to see out of Florida this year. All right, final thought here on Gator Bites. We are here every week. When we reconvene in seven days, is Florida basketball still playing? You go first. Uh, I think they get to Saturday. I do think they upset Nevada. They can beat Michigan. I'm not going to pick them to beat Michigan I'm going to pick the Wolverines to advance but if they were playing Michigan State I'd say well that's a no-brainer there's no way they're going to win if they were playing Virginia or Tennessee or somebody like that I'd say well they're probably out playing Michigan I think they have a chance I'm going to still pick the Wolverines to win so I don't think Florida will be playing next week when we're when we're doing Gator Bites but I wouldn't be shocked if they are if they are then the conversation will be the same next week because, again, the draw that they have. They would end up then with somebody like, what? Maybe Texas, Texas Tech, Tech. A little revenge know, maybe from last Buffalo, year. Buffalo, something like that. And, and then, and then somebody, Florida State Gonzaga or Gonzaga. Or Florida State, yeah. I think Florida State comes out of that personally. But I don't – I don't – no, I'm not making plans to watch them on Saturday. I'll put it that way. I think they get bounced the first round. Oh, you think Nevada takes care of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're wrong because Saturday yes. would be a great viewing day if Florida was playing. By the way, the Gators do tip off right about 640 Eastern time Thursday night against the Nevada. Where, hey, real quick, let's plug something. Where are you guys going to be on Thursday? Uh, Thursday, we are out at Boston's, out at the airport. Uh, love going out to Boston's where the Hacker Fantasy League draft was back in August. We are at Boston's on Thursday and then we are in Mandarin, my neck of the woods in Mandarin on Friday at Dick's Wings in Mandarin. So XL Primetime will be out and about on Thursday and Friday. Again, Boston's Thursday, Dick's Wings on Friday. I know you guys will be out and about as yeah, well. Yeah, we're going to be uh, Gators Dockside in Jordanton Creek on Thursday night. And we will be at Mr. Chubby's in Fleming Island, which amazing wings, by yeah, the way. Yeah, good for you guys. Um, on Friday night. So come join us. Come watch some ball with us. All right, you'll get the Sports Den, Denny Thompson, Big Game, James Coleman, Thursday night and Friday night at 9 o'clock. You'll get me on XL Primetime Thursday and Friday. And, of course, every weekday, noon to 3 on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. That is Denny Thompson. Denny, enjoyed it, my friend. We'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you, Jacksonville, for listening to Gator Bites right here on the 1010XL.com podcast network.